welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. And each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Alison, and another rollicking week in markets. It, it continues to be an interesting ride, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, that gives, that gives rise to one of the topics. On Wednesday, we've got the monthly CPI data for Australia and that came in a little lower than expectations which I think is probably a good thing around about 6.8 percent but I do understand that this monthly series is quite a new one and so there is still some you know people are sort of getting used to I guess the accuracy of that data to some degree and maybe there's a little bit more reliance on the quarterly data coming through but be really interested to get your read and what you think this might mean for certainly the the RBA in terms of its hiking cycle is it going to hike next week or is it going to wait? And it was also looking at a few other things, I imagine, things like the recent fallout for the banking crisis, the retail data. So where are you at? Where do you think this is for the for the rate hikes and, and, and more importantly, I think, the terminal rate for Australia? Right, uh, Alison, <laughs> packed question. a lot into that question there. <laughs> uh, let, let me try and unpack it. Uh, so in terms of, uh, you start off with data and, and certainly the um, CPI data, that's a monthly series and it's sort of still experimental as you point out and it has its its issues, which I won't bore the listeners with the uh, into the nine sort of issues that are associated with that, but largely speaking, you know, coming in under 7% and the trend in that series is down. I, I think that gives ammunition to the um, RBA and Governor Lowe to actually pause next week. Now, my belief is that the RBA has been looking for excuses to pause since its its rather strong rhetoric over February and March, which was, you know, really um, signalling further rate hikes. They're sort of backing away from that, and this uh, CPI read gave them fuel for that pause. You also mentioned the fallout of the banking crisis, even though that we seem to be getting through that crisis without that it being a major blow up in terms of destabilising uh, global financial systems, of course, the worst case scenario. Nonetheless, that also gives uh, the bank further reason for pause. And then finally, something's not talked about that much because it's a little bit more speculative and not associated so much with data. My belief is that the general pressure that Governor Lowe and the RBA must be feeling from the fallout of their conduct of monetary policy, which has resulted in you know the type of uh, boom-bust situation that we're now seeing in the housing market and the whole sort of dissatisfaction with the RBA for being instrumental in creating in that, I think itself must be weighing on, on Governor Lowe and the RBA. I mean, those people wouldn't be human if they couldn't feel the angst that the rise in interest rates has had has been expressed by the general community. And my, my belief is that's probably also weighing on them. So that summing all of that up, uh, Alison, I, I don't think they're going to raise rates next Tuesday. Just to finish off quickly, in terms of where the terminal rate, though, is, that's still up for grabs. And that will be data dependent. So, if we see in, in coming weeks the uh, inflation being sticky, not continuing that trend down, or very strong labour market data or demand side data, like retail sales data, then I think the RBA will raise rates one more last time, but that terminal rate will have a cap at 3.85%. So hopefully, Alison, that unpacked your question somewhat, um, but I've got a question for you. Does next week's rate decision even matter to investors? You know, whether or not they hike next week or not, 
does that change your view on where current market pricing is and where it's going to be? Yeah, it's a good question. I kind of, I think there's really two parts to that in some respects for me. One, what is that terminal rate? And if it was too much more than that one extra hike you referred to, I think that could cause some concerns. But the flip side is really, you know, the markets are really interested in when the banks will begin cutting again, whether that's the Reserve Bank of Australia or indeed overseas. So it's that easing cycle when the banks need to begin that easing that I think will have a, the, the most significant impacts on the market. So in the interim, the Australian market has been proven to be really pretty resilient. And that's been in line with your forecast that the Australian market is good and we probably won't have a recession. And that that certainly looks like it will be the case to me as well. So that has also seen the Australian equities market hold up pretty strongly. It's actually surprising that in 2023, we actually, earlier this year, we hit a new peak. and We're only sort of 6% off that peak now. So we're not really too far off all-time highs and and in some respects, that's not unreasonable because Australia has been doing pretty well and our commodity story has been doing very strongly. But looking forward, if we are expecting a global recession and if we are expecting that while China is looking at growing as it, as it comes out of this its post-COVID lockdown period, it's probably going to be more reliant on things like consumer growth rather than necessarily uh, looking for sort of raw materials that we might supply, that maybe that sort of causes, puts a little bit of weakness to earnings for the Australian economy. Now, that's not a recession, as you as we were saying, but perhaps a little bit of a weakness, so perhaps a little bit of downdrift in equity markets in, in Australia. Bond markets, look, they're certainly agreeing with you, Matthew, that, you know, there's, I think, only like one basis point priced into the market for a, for a hike uh, next week, next Tuesday. So potentially a little bit lower. I think it's maybe a little bit more mindful that they'll go this month because whether they go this month or next maybe is not too dissimilar, but it does give them a bit more time to, if they do wait for next month for a further one. But, you know, again, it's really about that those cut, that cuts. And the market's pricing in two or three more cuts towards the end of this year domestically, which to me seems a little bit unlikely, you know, unless there's a really big left tail event, unless there's something that really concerns markets. I think the RBA will pause um, and just have a look what happens to inflation, what happens to wages, what happens to the economy, and sort of sit at a more neutral long-term setting rather than seeking to go back to a very stimulatory setting uh, so quickly. Yeah, it's sort of interesting, isn't it? The equity market, as you point out, seems to be pretty sanguine about the future, whereas the bond market's far more pessimistic. There seems to be this sort of divergence in views within equity markets and bond markets. Like, I think that's very true. It's kind of the glass half full versus the glass half empty that you sometimes yeah. see between equities and bonds. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast. We're on discussing markets and economics with Dr Matthew Peter. Matt, I also wanted to get your view on the RBA review, which I think formally is going to be handed down later today, but there has been some early headlines in the press um, of some of the findings from the review. Now, it doesn't seem that those early comments are going to ease any pressures on Dr Lowe. Any thoughts on those early commentaries? And obviously, certainly interested in the longer term findings when they come through. Yes, well, I mean, Gordon DeBrower, who's uh, leading the review, has been you know, sort of suggesting changes that will, will occur. I mean, there's three changes that, that have been leaked out of the review already. That is that there's going to be an independent committee of uh, experts that help formulate monetary policy, replacing the existing board, which is more generalists, you know, business people and, and academics, but not specialists in monetary policy. That's one recommendation likely to come out. The second is uh, less frequency in terms of the meeting schedule that the RBA meets monthly. Most other central banks meet either on a six-week or an eight-week cycle. So there's a move to that. And thirdly, that after each meeting of whatever this new monetary policy committee is, there'll be a press conference um, held 
by the governor in the same way as, say, after each meeting of the US uh, FOMC, the Fed chairman Powell conducts a press conference. So they're the three main things. But more broadly, what the Brown's been signalling to us is that they're concerned, the committee, that the RBA is becoming too insular, that it's, it's not subject to enough outside scrutiny, there's not enough outside influence coming into the RBA. If we look back to the governorship of the RBA, you have to go back to Bernie Fraser, at least a couple of decades ago, a generation, in other words, before you had an RBA governor who wasn't appointed from within the RBA and was an RBA careerist. The fear is that the RBA in that respect has become inward looking. It doesn't take criticism well and it doesn't take influences and advice from outside well. What all that lines up to is is that the prospect of Philip Lowe, the existing governor, having his tenure extended is, is probably off the table. He won't be appointed. Not only that, because of this view that RBA has become too insular, the usual uh, succession plan of appointing as his successor you know, a senior person from within the RBA, another RBA careerist, is, is also probably off the table. That means that the new RBA governor will most likely be an outsider, but the question is who? Now, within all of this, you know, that's that's creating, in essence, to sort of reform the RBA in this way is, is a good thing, I believe, but also it's creating some degree of uncertainty. So I suppose the, the question is, is this potential shake-up of the RBA a concern to you and institutional investors? Look, it's a good question. I don't think so from a global perspective. I think globally the RBA has got a good reputation and indeed its policies have actually been, I think, pretty much on the mark. We needed to increase rates to stem inflation, but certainly there's been a lot of local commentary, Dr Lowe's comments about the date dependent has really captured the headlines. And so certainly there are some some individuals who probably took mortgages who are feeling very disadvantaged by those statements. But overarchingly, I think the RBA is a strong institution, has a good global reputation. And so people will see this review, I think, as generally speaking, a positive because it is important to check governance. It is important to increase the bar uh, where we can. So I think it's a good thing. But, you know, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. I guess the findings are finally yeah. handed down. Well, I should add too that the other issue is about the uh, inflation target as the guiding principle effectively of setting rates. That isn't being challenged apparently in this review. So, you know, if there was a change in emphasis or a change in the rate target, for example, the inflation target, I should say, that would be a major source, I'd imagine, of instability or concern to markets. But if they're not touching that, I tend to agree with you, it probably will be absorbed quite well by the market. Indeed, I agree. Well, we'll look forward to the review. Matt, thank you again for joining me this week and thanks also to our listeners for taking 10.